Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our fathers, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Please be seated. What happened at Pentecost? There's a lot of ways we need to think about this. We need to line it up with a lot of things throughout the scriptures. Because well, many things are happening all at once. The Lord has previewed this moment and linked it together with Jesus so tightly, so intimately, that the, the body of Christ in his new creation and his gift of his son is so thoroughly bound to this moment. The first occasion of the Lord God bringing life out of nothing is through his breathing. He breathes into his created creature act. Gathers the dust together, makes the clay together, forms Adam to be a, a body. But Adam is alive. He is in Adam. He has no anima. He has no animation. He has no movement. But the Lord God breathes into him, and he becomes a message, a living being. A, a bound together creature of both body and spirit. And he is united in that, and he is alive. The Lord, in fact, just like that balloon, inflates Adam so that now he is living, breathing being because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament is the same word as that breath, Ruach. And as the Lord breathes his spirit over his people, they breathe him in, and he is their breath of life. He is their sustenance, just like breathing in and breathing out. And over the course of the pages of Genesis, then, and the fall into sin and the, and the corruption that that invades the human creature, God speaks a, a word of despair, a spirit of grief. He says, people are, people have fallen away from me in such a way that my spirit can no longer dwell with them. And so, flood comes. Over the course of the generations that follow, Times and places and moments come when the Lord sends his spirit onto various people so that the word of the Lord can go out. The word of his promise and grace, the word of his love for them, and draw them back in relationship with him and look forward to the day when his spirit will be cascaded out over all flesh. Times and places where the Lord makes himself even visibly manifested and available for his people so that they know for sure that they are dealing with him and not with some other God. So, for example, a burning bush appears on the side of the mountain Sinai, and Moses is 
beckoned over by, by the sight of that flame and comes face to face with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Stands there on holy ground so that he has to take his shoes off so that he can hear the word of the Lord. He knows he's dealing with the God of creation and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has promised that he's going to come and rescue his people out of slavery and bring them to the promised land. That God. The God who has already forecast these very things manifested to him in that burning bush. But then the burning bush has to go on the move. Can't just stay there in the burning bush. And so as the people of Israel are hauled out of Egypt after the final plagues are culminated, it is a pillar of fire that leads them out. And that bush is grown. Grown large. And leading right in front. The Lord graciously wants to make sure that his people know that, again, it is him that is there with them. So as he calls them to Mount Sinai, after passing through the Red Sea, it is that burning bush and that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud now that is resting on the top of Mount Sinai as Moses goes up to receive the covenant of God, the word of the Lord. What is always manifestly clear to the people of Israel who it is they are dealing with. It is no longer the gods of Egypt or the gods of the Hittites or the gods of the Canaanites into which they are going to be moving. No, it is the God of all creation. Yahweh himself, the one who called out in the darkness that there be light. What who breathed life into the very first man and is now breathing life into that and is dealing with that. As they get ready to go on the move one more time, after receiving God's covenant, after receiving all of his gifts there, and after having established the, the tabernacle so that the Lord God and that pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud would have a home base with them no matter where they went and no matter where they rolled, the Lord reminds them that he is not just about being on the tops of mountains or in burning bushes or even in buildings, but that he is there in his word. So the 70 elders of Israel call together so that the spirit of God might be manifested in their preaching. This is essentially kind of a, a testimony to them about where they can look for the word of the Lord. Where can they look for the promises of God to be manifested for them? The spirit of the prophets continues. Almost every single prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Hosea, Amos, they all begin with this simple word. The Spirit of the Lord came to me and said. That way we know who it is we are dealing with. We're dealing with the God not only who has created us, but who has also redeemed us, brought us out of slavery, and has promised us even greater things yet. And he has promised that he himself is going to come and walk with us. Not, not just in a fiery cloud or in a... a a building, 
that he himself is going to be our shepherd. And so the day comes. The day comes when Solomon builds his temple. God affirms that temple as a placeholder for the manger that is going to be on the way. And that fiery cloud goes into the temple. So now then, again, we know who it is we are dealing with. But even so, promises of God stay yet a bit incomplete until, until the day when Christ himself is conceived, what? By the Holy Spirit. Conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Where is God? Now, once we turn the pages to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where are we to find him? In the temple? In a tabernacle, perhaps in a burning bush or on a, a mountainside somewhere in the Arabian desert. Oh, we're to find him where he has promised to be. Christmas time, right there in the manger. Conceived in the Holy Spirit, as is in the flesh and blood of Jesus of Nazareth, that the Holy Spirit has promised to be. At that point, Angels knew the story, and shepherds knew the story, and Mary and Joseph were fully aware, but the people of God were not quite fully informed as to all that God was doing through this one, flesh and blood Son of God. So at his baptism, God the Father puts Jesus on display, not as a, a new Sinai mountain or as a new border and brick temple, but as the temple of God delivered in his baptism that the Holy Spirit would come on him so that everyone would know who he is and what he is here to give and to do. John had already said it in no uncertain terms. I baptize you with water. That can't do the full job. One who's coming after me, Jesus of Nazareth himself, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's the one who is going to baptize you with water and the Spirit. In baptizing you with water and the Spirit, you will have new birth so that you might have life eternal in his name. Jesus himself becomes the delivery system of God the Father, for the sake of the world, to bring the Holy Spirit to his people. And he, he is generous with it. First of all, he, he goes out and he crushes Satan in the wilderness by the very word of the Lord. Sends him packing and running. And goes and calls his disciples so that they, too, can begin this ministry of the word. And he generously passes out to them that they might preach and teach as he had taught them. That they would say and say along with him what the kingdom of God is. That they would manifest that same spirit by those miracles that they perform. Casting out demons. Healing the sick. That the world would see the alignment of God the Father through the Son to his body, the church. This is all gifted and previewed and set in order during Jesus' own ministry. But you see, again, the people of God are not quite clear as to where exactly to find God all the while. And so he promises 
even before his death and resurrection, that when he goes, he's not going anywhere, but that he's going to be with them always, providing them these very gifts, sustaining and keeping them in the faith so that when they speak his words, people will come to know the truth of God reigns, that their sins are forgiven because of his work on the cross, and that because he lives, they will live also. The resurrection of Jesus is not just a, a, a party trick that he did for himself, but a gift, a gift to be given to the people of the earth and the world, so that they might know that they too might live forever in the name of Jesus. And his resurrection is the promise of their resurrection and participation in his new creation forever and ever and ever. And that the Holy Spirit unpacks and affirms this very word so that people hear and believe. Well, just as the Holy Spirit was manifested there at creation in Adam and, and there at the crossing of the Red Sea and there at Mount Sinai and there at the temple and there at the birth of Christ and there at his baptism and there in the magnificence of his resurrection and ascension. So the Lord Jesus promises that the body of Christ will also not be vacant but will be inhabited, that the body of Christ is, in fact, the temple that the Lord promised when he said to David, your son is going to build me a house. And just like David had thought of that as a dynasty, so also the Lord God thinks of it also as a dynasty. It is the Son of God, Jesus. It is the Son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, who fulfills that promise. And he is going to build his house, built not out of stones and mortar, but built out of the people of God. So the Holy Spirit has a landing zone, not a, a faraway mountain and not a faraway temple, but the temple of the people of God to inhabit. So he comes to rest on them. Peter and James and John. Manifestly so, not just for their entertainment, but so that the entire world might know where to deal with the Lord God and his word. Who is speaking the truth about the world and about God's grace and about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is presenting information about who God is. Is it going on anywhere else in the world? It's going on right there on that moment at that day. And Peter stands up in the midst of the disciples with the full display of the presence of God manifesting and magnifying everything he has to say. As the temple of God is raised up, as God builds his house, this dynasty that is going to be fruitful and multiply, just like he promised in Genesis 1, kind after time. The Lord Jesus has given his word to his disciples so that they are his own, and they will pass this on 
so that we might be in fellowship with God the Father through that very word. God is present. God has manifestly fulfilled the promise to be present with and among and in his people. That every word that he speaks through them is confirmed and verified by his presence. The confidence that because you are a baptized child of God, and an heir of all that he has delivered to you. Let it infest and infect you every single day so that sin is killed. And that Christ is manifestly raised in you every day. So that when you speak, you do not get in the way at all. But that you speak as Peter spoke. In the name of Christ. To his glory. And when you speak, you also, convicted of sin, convict the world of sin as well. And that when you speak, raised in Christ, you would raise the dead. They might know the promises of God in Jesus Christ. They have been restored to their full humanity once again. These by faith and under the cross until the resurrection confirms all things. But that for now, we will speak and inflate our neighbor with the Spirit of God by his word and promise, so that we along with them can exhale the glories and praises of God Almighty in the name of Jesus. May the body of Christ always be bound together with his spirit. Just as it was from his conception, so it is through their first birthday into every birthday and in every place until he calls us home. Amen. May the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ. Amen. Amen.